turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Welcome to everyone tonight, and especially if you're a guest this evening, we are so glad to have you in this Sunday evening service. Thank you for being with us. Watching us online this evening, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Acts 18, verse 1. This is the uh, long text reading day. Read a bunch of verses this morning at the beginning. I'm going to read several here tonight. Let me just say this. I believe that I have a word from God again. Most of you know this. Every single time you step to a pulpit to preach or teach, hopefully you've heard from God. You have a, a message from God. But then there are times that it's not that it's more important per se, but it, it's significant to, to where we are, to what God is doing. And I, I believe that tonight. So I'm, I'm asking you not to just Sit and well, it's Sunday night, and pastor's going to preach and whatever. I want you to open your heart and let you and you mix the word with faith tonight. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God didn't profit them, not because there was something wrong with the word, but because they did not mix the word with faith. Doesn't matter how great the message is, doesn't matter who preaches the message. If you don't mix the word with your faith, it's not going to profit you personally. Acts 18 and 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. How awesome is that? Paul goes from persecuting those that believe in Christ to now testifying that Jesus was the Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Boy, it'd be awesome to have people that join hard to the church. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing believed and were baptized then spake the lord to paul in the night by a vision if i'm not mistaken 
outside of the Gospels, I think there are two times. There may be a couple of more. But if I'm not mistaken, there's two times outside of the Gospel where you find red letters. And again, we know that all of the Bible is the Word of God. The red letters are not more important than the others. But I find it interesting that these next two verses are in red letters. (laughs) Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Be not afraid. But speak and hold not thy peace. Why? For I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And I want you to get this last statement. For I have much people in this city. I have much I know what you're dealing with Paul I know what's going on but I want you to know that I have much people in this city the living Bible says it this way one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him don't be afraid speak out don't quit for I am with you and no one can harm you many people here in this city belong to me. You don't know it yet, Paul, but many people in this city belong to me. God calls those things that are not as though they were. And then Matthew 9 and verse number 36 But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. I have much people in this city. The harvest truly is plenteous is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to specifically draw your attention to the last part of Acts 18 and 10. There are much people in this city. There are much people in this area. There are much people in this county. There are much people in Prince George's County. There are much people on the Eastern Shore. There are much people in Calvert County. There are much people in the regions that God has commissioned this congregation to reach. There are much people 
God, I thank you for your presence and your spirit that has already been working and moving in this place. But God, I don't believe that you're finished what you want to do here tonight. God, I feel there is a deep work of your spirit that we have been experiencing in this place tonight. And I believe, God, that you want to continue that in this service tonight. So I pray now, God, that through your word, once again, you would minister. I pray again tonight, God, I don't want to preach a sermon because that's what's expected to happen in a service. But God, I want to deliver a word. I want to deliver a message that would come from you. I pray, God, that faith would be released in this sanctuary tonight. I come against every spirit of fear. I come against every spirit of doubt, every spirit of unbelief that would war against the minds of your people tonight. I take dominion and authority over everything that would exalt itself against you tonight. We cast down imaginations and every high thing. We take captive every thought that is contrary, contradictory to you and to your word. We take it captive in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. I think you can boil down what the church is supposed to do, what our mission is, what our responsibility is, I think you can boil it all down into two words. And the order of these words, I believe, is the proper order, and it is a significant order. The two things, Brother Middleton, the two things, boil it all down, the two things the church is supposed to do is equip and evangelize. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Equip and evangelize. It's to equip those so that they can evangelize. And then it's to equip those who have been evangelized. But that is it. And can I tell you tonight, if you are a born-again child of God, you should have a direct involvement in either equipping or evangelizing. And not all of us are called to do the same thing. There are people in this place that are gifted tonight to be an evangelist. You're gifted to go out into the harvest field and connect and reach. But then there's some people here tonight that you are gifted to equip. They're not the same thing. Oftentimes we try to make people do both. But the bottom line is this, every child of God, every child of God should be directly involved in at least equipping or at least evangelizing, if not from time to time, both of them. That's why we are here. Everything else we do outside of that is not just secondary, it's a hundredth airy. It's way down the list. Those are the two primary purposes. You say, well, why are we doing what we're doing here tonight? Because it feeds into the, to the, to the side of equipping. Although there's been some evangelizing. <laughs> but everything we do, I think too many times, especially these days, the church has gotten caught up in doing all kinds of stuff that's not what it was called to do. 
You don't go to Coons Ford to buy a new computer. You don't go to Coons Ford to buy pizza. Oh, they may give hot dogs away every now and then for a promo, but there's basically two things you go to Coons Ford for. Buy a car, fix a car. That's what we're here for. Not buy cars, fix cars. Equip and evangelize. And let me tell you something. You are never fully equipped. I didn't come here yesterday. I wasn't here. That's, yes, there was a part of me that I had an obligation to be here. I was the host pastor, and I'm a district board member. And there's there, from one perspective, you could say I was here this week because I had to be here. But God knows your heart knows my heart. And the ultimate reason that I was here this week had nothing to do with my responsibilities and obligations. It had to do with the fact I want to continue to be equipped. I want to continue to be developed so that I can effectively do whatever it is God has called me to do. And let me tell you this, you don't get accidentally equipped. If you're going to be equipped for what God's called you to do, it's got to be intentional. And some of that is on us as the church to do. But then there's a part that's up to you and the level of hunger that you have to, to find out what you can do to be better equipped. That's it. No, it's not to have good church services. It's not to just have good programs. We are here to equip and evangelize. But we're not here to do that just so that we can build a crown. That's not the goal. That's not the motive. We're here because there is a lost and a dying world. And those of us that are here tonight are only here by the grace and the mercy of God because at some point all of us were lost. At some point all of us were in darkness. And why in the world do we think that we have a right to be content with what we have that we didn't have before when there are others who don't have what we have and want what we have I think we get this mentality we get this mindset that boy we've got it we have it so challenging today I mean all the stuff that's going on in our world all of the all of the liberalism that is going on and all kinds of things that are happening and there's and I preached it this morning there is darkness in our world today Folks, if you think the New Testament church lived in what, I ought to know this. What's that town where Andy Griffith was a sheriff? Yeah. (laughs) If you think this is Mayberry, a couple of you young folks probably don't know what that is. This isn't Mayberry, and it's not going to be Mayberry. But the disciples, the apostles weren't in Mayberry either. Corinth, the place where Paul is, and God is saying to Paul, Paul, I know you got some, I know you got some opposition. I know you're facing some adversity, but I want you to know, Paul, I have much people in this city. In the context of what is being said there, these are unsaved people. 
And God is telling Paul, I know what you're facing, Paul, but I'm just going to tell you, I've already got much people in this city. Let me just give you a little bit of information about that city, Corinth. According to the McClintock and Strong Encyclopedia, Corinth was a place of great mental activity as well as of commercial and manufacturing enterprise. Its wealth was so celebrated as to be proverbial. So were the vice and profligacy or reckless extravagance of its inhabitants. The worship of Venus here was attended with shameful licentiousness or promiscuousness. Fawcett's Bible Dictionary says this. You got to, as I'm reading, remember, this is the place, this is the city that God is telling Paul, Paul, I've got much people here. In this city, Paul, I've got much people. Again, Fawcett's Dictionary says, Famed for its commerce, chiefly due to its situation between the Ionian and Aegean seas on the isthmus connecting the Peloponnese with Greek. In Paul's time, it was the capital of Achaia and seat of the Roman proconsul. Its people had the Greek love of philosophical subtleties, the immorality, the immorality of this place that God says he has much people. The immorality of that place was notorious even in the pagan world. You know, it's one thing when, you know, when Christians think something or someplace is bad. But man, when you, when you got people that are bad telling you, that's bad, that's bad. I mean, when you got bad people telling you they wouldn't go such and such, and such a place, that is saying something. The immorality was notorious even in the pagan world, so that to Corinthianize was proverbial for playing the wanton. Now listen to this. The worship of Venus, whose temple was on Acro-Corinthus, was attended with shameless profligacy. There's that lovely word again. 1,000 female slaves being maintained for the service of strangers. I don't think I need to elaborate for the adults there. It was a place full of sin. It was a place full of intellect. But God says to Paul, Paul, I have much People in this city. I've come not in myself by the help of the Lord. It's what God wants to do through me. But I've come to challenge this congregation tonight. I don't care if we're half empty. If you want to be positive and we're half full, have it. But we're half empty. I'm sorry. I don't care if we're half empty. There are much people in this area. There are much people 
in this county. There are much people on our campuses. There are much people in our schools. There may be sin that is abounding, but where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. I've come to tell this congregation tonight, it is time for us once again to get our eyes up off of our circumstances and the adversity and look on the fields because they are ripe and they are ready to harvest. There are much people. Much people. Barnes note says from this statement that the Lord says to Paul, he says we may learn this. That God has a purpose in regard to the salvation of sinners. You want God to bless you? Get involved with what God loves. You want God to prosper you? Involve yourself in what matters to God. Quit trying to get God to bless what matters to you. You get involved with what God is doing and God will bless you when you are involved with what matters to Him. Number two, that the purpose is so fixed in the mind of God that he can say that those in relation to whom it is formed are his. Meaning God has it so determined that he can say to Paul, of all of those that are yet to be saved, I have, not I will have, not I'm looking for, not I'm going to find, but I have much people. Met a young man this morning for service who invited you. So, well, there's a couple people that were at a go conference here. So the way it un- the way I un- understood it, and if you met him and got differently, help me out. Not right now, but I mean, well, right now is fine. I don't care. The way I understood it is, it was people that were at the go conference that are not a part of us. But God knew there's a young man in this city. He was here this morning and a couple guys invited him down to sit down front. And thank you to all of you young men that have filled in these first row, first row on both sides. God bless you. You are, don't tell everybody else here, but y'all are my favorites. (laughs) Just kidding, sort of. Another, help me, Brother Mott, if I get this one wrong. A couple comes in this morning. We're going to church someplace else, but we're late. Got online. Got online. Found us. Pulled up in the parking lot. Her fiance says, I went here 20 years ago. She ends up in the altar speaking in other tongues. I know you may have invited somebody this week to church that's not here, but I'm going to tell you, God has much people in this city. And you know what? I believe God's got even more 
supernatural things he's going to do on our behalf. And I'm not preaching at all tonight that we aren't doing anything and nobody's reaching and equipping. That's not my message. The, the, really, the message is that somehow we would make up our minds to believe that God has much people in our area. But God didn't just go to Cornelius. Peter had to get involved in it. We want God to do all the supernatural work and we be spectators. It doesn't work that way. But if we will get involved with God, God's going to get involved with us. Number three, this is the ground of encouragement to the ministers of the gospel. Had God no purpose to save sinners, they could have no hope in their work. Number four, this plan may have reference to the most frivolous, the most guilty, and the most abandoned. And ministers should not be deterred by the amount or the degree of wickedness from attempting to save them. It doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're addicted to. It doesn't matter what lifestyle they have changed to embrace. It doesn't matter any of those things. God has much people. It's not up to you and I to determine if God can save them. We just need to believe that God can and that God will and that there is absolutely no person that is beyond the reach of the grace and the mercy of God. No matter what they've done, no matter how they live, no matter how many sins they've committed, oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I know that it reaches to the highest mountain, but I know it also reaches to the lowest valley. And then number five, you see what we think is the obstacle and the challenge is really the opportunity. There may be more hope of success among a dissolute and profligate, I can't say that word and it keeps popping up, population than among the proud, cold, and skeptical philosophers. Paul had little success in philosophic Athens. He had great success in dissolute Corinth. There is often more hope of converting a man openly dissolute and abandoned than one who prides himself on his philosophy and is confident in his own wisdom. I know there's some folks we'd love to have come there. There, I, I won't say any details, but there, you know, there's a situation that's in the works right now. Got it. Uh, quite honestly, it's one of those people that's like you like telling other people about. I like telling other pastors. Guess guess what we got coming. But you know as well as I do, that's not the way the kingdom works. And I don't care if they're the ones you're proud of or not. It doesn't matter. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may have been an up and out sinner or a down and out sinner. The bottom line, we were all sinners that were in need of a Savior. Oh God, help us not to get caught up in looking at the obstacles and the challenge and the addiction and the bondage and to believe that those are the greatest opportunities for the grace of God. 
I heard it said several years ago, the whole church growth, whatever segment, I heard it say you, it was some, it was, I think it was in a book or something. I, I wasn't reading the book. I just somehow came across a portion or something. And it said, if you're going someplace to, to start a church, then first of all, you want to, you want to look at the demographics. And then you want to figure out which demographic you're going to reach for. And then, this, this was, this, I don't know where, you don't get this from the Bible. All I know is that. It said, you want to reach for the kind of people that you'd like to go on vacation with. I'm going to tell you right now. There's a bunch of you. I wouldn't have trusted you on vacation with me. But because of the grace of God, I may not have wanted to go on vacation with you, B.C. I may not really want to go on vacation with you right now, no offense to you, but I wouldn't be worried about it. Because of what took place on Calvary, you became a new creature. God have mercy if all we're trying to reach for is the people that don't really need what we have, but those that really need it and those that are the ones that God can most demonstrate. His mercy and grace and power through. Much, 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 much. I, I, I keep saying this. I am so tired of feeling like everything's got to be qualified. I'm so tired of feeling like every statement's got to be qualified. Do you know what? We're not just here so that we can enjoy having services. But if we're going to have services, we might as well have some good ones. If we're going to, I know, I know Bishop said church is not a verb. I know that. Forgive me, Bishop. But if we're going to have church, we might as well have church. But if we're going to have church, let's not just have church so that we can enjoy it. But let's have church so that somebody who is bound by sin, bound by the bondage of this world, can be touched by the power of God and set free and delivered from an old life and given a new life. Isaiah 54. Let me tell you something. I know, I know. Well, we've heard it before. We've heard it before. Oh, well. I keep saying it. We've had two and a half people get the Holy Ghost today. I know. How's that possible? How that possible is there was one person that was on the verge but wasn't quite there. And if you were here yesterday, you don't respond and go, well, why didn't they push it to happen? There's this thing, I think it's really not technically this, but it's what we call it. There's this thing called false labor. And I think most mothers 
pregnant mothers experience at some point false labor. Let me tell you something. I know there's, there's, if it's too early, you don't want it to be real. But when you get the point, it's now time and it's safe for the baby to be delivered. If you go through some, a couple of contractions and it all stops, you don't throw up your hands and say, well, I guess I'm not pregnant. No, no, you just understand, well, I thought that might be the time, but it's not the time, but the time is coming. Oh, I know in the last 50 years of Antioch, we've had a lot of false labor. I know there have been some times where we had contractions and we thought this was about to be the breakthrough we were believing for and then everything kind of settled back down. And you know what? This may end up being false labor again. But I'm telling you, we are pregnant with promises. Not only are we pregnant with the promises of this word that apply to us, but we've got our own individual promises that God has given to us. And so if we're sitting here a year from now with a half-empty sanctuary, I'm going to still declare God has much people in this city. So therefore, sing, O barren that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt, for thou shalt... I'm in Isaiah 54 and verse 3. Sorry, I know I didn't say that. Isaiah 54 and 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt remember the approach of thy widowhood and shall not remember the approach of thy widowhood anymore. Oh, I wonder if we got any singers tonight. In spite of what you've been through, in spite of what hasn't happened, got some barren folks that are going to sing anyway because you're going to break forth. You may not have broken forth yet. It may not have happened yet, but you're going to keep singing because you're going to break forth. I know we don't need space. We don't need to do it for space, but we got to break forth. We got to expand our, our habitation. Oh God, I know, I know we've already got a group starting up in Glen Burnie and Brother Ellenberg and others are working up there, but oh God, I pray you'd put Glen Burnie on somebody else's heart so that we can break forth even more. I pray that you'd put Crofton on somebody's heart and Odenton on somebody's heart because we've got to break forth in all directions. I love Love this place. I'm thankful for this place. But God has not called us to reach what He's called us to reach simply from this place. Fear not. Don't be afraid, Paul. Oh God. 
He didn't say, Paul, go fast and pray to get over your fear. He didn't say, Paul, go, go get somebody to lay hands on. He said, just be not afraid. Here it says, fear not. Just, just don't, don't be afraid. Well, I am. Well, don't be. You know, isn't it? And I, I, I've, I've, I've been guilty of this, so I'm not casting stones. What, what is the worst thing that usually can happen? I mean, what's, the, what's basically the, the norm worst thing that happens if you try to tell somebody about Jesus here in our area? Reject you? I mean, kind of the wor- I mean, usually nothing physical happens, but kind of the worst thing that might happen is they might cuss you out. You're not, you're not about to lose your life. You're not about to behead you. You and I are going to have to stand before God one day with brothers and sisters from other parts of this world that it wasn't just a cursing out that they were risking. But every single time they went to tell somebody about Jesus, they knew if this happens to be the wrong person and they go tell somebody what I'm doing, I'm going to lose my life. And they do it anyway. Oh, God, help us to get over our fear of some minor rejection and realize, first of all, you and I are not the Savior. We're just the seed sower. Brother well, Sister Bishop, I had a brief conversation with Brother and Sister Bishop right before service, and they said, and it, it is so true. One, one of them, this, is, this, is, this isn't even, to me, top of the list of the impact of yesterday, but it's very significant, and I concur. One of the things about yesterday was it took some pressure off. Because we always feel the pressure. We feel, hear me tonight, Antioch, especially those of you that are great at responding to praying with people. We feel like every guest, every visitor that walks into this sanctuary needs to leave with the Holy Ghost. Do they need the Holy Ghost? Of course. But what if they're only about four months in the womb and it's not time to be born yet? One of the things I wrote down yesterday, and by the help of the Lord, I'm going to work on for me as the pastor of this congregation is, it's easy to get caught up in focusing on the wrong measurements. Is how many people that get the Holy Ghost and get baptized important? Of course. But you know what you can't measure? What you can't measure is Sister Sank and some other ladies who now are doing a Bible study with some ladies from another church. You can't measure that. You can't see those results at this point. You can't measure P7 Bible Zoom clubs and and things going. You, You can't measure that. And we get discouraged. Because the things that are easy to measure may not be happening the way we want to see them. Imagine what it would be like to be a farmer. You go out and sow acres of seed. And then what do you have to do? Wait. What a failure he is. Of course not. It's a process. 
It's a process. We've got to trust the process. Trust that God is and will do His part. But we have a part as well. Isaiah 43 and 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Eat thee Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Here it is again. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. I don't care what it looks like. God's got much people. I don't care what it feels like. God's got much people. Not much people so that we can fill up this sanctuary and feel good about ourselves. Thursday night, the count was 490. Friday night, the count was 511. That certificate on the wall back there says 999, according to the fire marshal. I don't know who would want to be in this room with 900 and 98 other people. And yeah, we, we can figure out a way to get a few more chairs out, but you don't want to be in here with much more than 511 people, I promise you. If I'm not mistaken, Anne Arundel County is now over 500,000 people. Hear me tonight. Hear me, Antioch Central. If we came in here next Sunday morning and next Sunday night and it was standing room only, we have not arrived anywhere. So if you think this message tonight is just about somehow filling up this sanctuary to feel better about ourselves, you have missed the point. Because by the grace of God, before it ever even starts to get really full, there's going to be more congregations, more daughter works, more ministries someplace else. Because it's not about growing a church. It's about seeing his church being built. He said, upon this rock I will build my... This isn't your church. This isn't my church. This isn't about our success. This is about his kingdom. And listen, listen somehow... I, I've, I've preached about this, I've touched on this, and I think we've made progress, but we're still not quite there. we 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 got to get over this small me mentality. There are so many people in this sanctuary right now that you just, you, 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 you diminish 
your significance in the kingdom. I'm not preaching about pride and arrogance. I'm not preaching about you having cockiness and self. That's not what I'm preaching about. But I am preaching that somehow, by the help of God, we've got to get a revelation of who we are. The first revelation you got to get is who He is. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say this, some say that. Who do you say that I am? Peter responds, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. First revelation, who God is. But the second revelation, the Lord responds to Peter and says, and you. Now that you know who I am, let me tell you who you are. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. There's a lot of progress that a lot of us have made, but there's still a whole bunch of folks that you think all you are, all we are, is just the leftovers. In whatever form or fashion. That's not the case. Listen to what I know. Jeremiah was a prophet, but listen to what the Lord says to Jeremiah, and I think you and I can apply it to us. Jeremiah 1 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I don't believe that every one of us is called to be a prophet, but I believe in the principle that God is no respecter of persons. And so while you and I may not all be called to be prophets, I believe that just like the Lord said that about Jeremiah, that applies to you and I, that before we ever breathed our first breath, God already knew us. God already sanctified us. God already ordained us for a place in His kingdom. Watch this. Here we go. Here we go. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Isn't it amazing the stuff God wants to do in us and through us that we try to talk him out of? Mary, you've been chosen by the Lord to be the one to carry the Messiah. How can this be? This can't happen. It's not your job and my job to figure out how to make it happen. Our job is to do simply what Mary finally did and just simply say, Be it unto me according to your word. And the Lord responds to Jeremiah and says, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Jeremiah, I don't want to hear what you think you're, what disqualifies you. I knew all of that before I called you. 
I knew all of that before I called your name. I, I knew all of that before I designated you for the purpose I created you for. I don't need you to tell me about all the obstacles, Jeremiah. I don't need you to tell me about why I can't do what I want to do through you. I just need you to respond and say, yes, Lord. Haggai 1, verse 22, I preached from this chapter a couple of weeks ago. Listen to what it also says after the Lord rebukes them for building their own houses and not building his house. Haggai 1.12 says this, Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. What else do you need other than the Lord being with you? What else is there to need than the Lord being with you? And the Lord stirred up the spirit of, of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. In the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. The residue. What's the residue? It's what's left over. That's what's, that's what's left behind. But the Lord says, I want you to speak to the residue of the people. Here's what I want you to say. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Let, let, let's, let, let's, let's bring it home here to Antioch, the apostolic church. Who, who is it that's here tonight that remembers the, 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 the packed out Windsor Avenue and if you came to church late, they actually put you on the plat, literally they put you on the platform because everything else was full. How many of you remember? What, how does this house compare to that? How about those of you that were in the days of the Y on Hilltop Lane and the great and powerful moves of God? How does this house compare? How about those days in the warehouse and the powerful moves of God and the harvest? And I think it was the warehouse where one of those great years of revival harvest took place. How does this house compare to that? Listen to what he says. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. 
And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Here it is again. Fear ye not, fear not, fear not, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, and the glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I know we've got some glorious days in our history. I know we've got some glorious days in our past, but I declare to this congregation tonight that the glory of the former house is not going to be greater than the glory of the latter house. I don't care what it may have looked like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it seems like God has much people I'm not a uh, I, I, I'm not an outdoorsman I'm a, I like sports I'm not a sportsman I don't like hunting and I, mean, I don't mind hunting and I don't mind fishing as long as you bait the hook and if I happen to catch something, you take it off the hook. I don't want to touch it. I definitely am not cleaning it for sure. And I've been fishing a few times. Been fishing a couple times when I was a kid with my grandmother. Into a little pond while we were catching some fish, man. But I'll, I'll never forget. There may have been one or two guys here that was there, but several years ago for uh, the Phil Schoenthal's 30th birthday, his wife chartered a, a boat, a fishing boat. We went somewhere down to southern Maryland, and uh, it was, there was about, I don't know, 15 or so people. We we headed out in this boat and got out to this spot, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, there was a limit of 28 I think we were fishing for rockfish. There was a limit of 20 because of the number of licenses or what I don't know how it all works. But there was we had a limit of 28, which basically meant that everybody could get two fish and then a couple people could get a couple more. And I'm telling you what, if fishing was like this all the time and someone would bait the hook and take the fish off the hook, I might become a fisherman. Because I would say in about 30 minutes or less, we caught all 28 fish. I mean, it was about as quick as you could put the bait line out, they were biting. But I got to noticing something. A couple hundred yards away or so, there was other boats. There wasn't a lot of activity going on. There wasn't much, they were fishing, but there was not a whole lot of movement on those boats. 
And we finally, when we got finished catching all of our fish, and the captain started up the boat, the boat and we took off, there was a swarm of boats trying to get to the spot that we were in. You see, somehow they realized we might not be catching something right here. But rather than going home, we just got to find the spot. We just got to find the spot where they're biting. Oh, God help us. Because too many times we put our fishing rods away. We take the boat back to the dock because the spot we were in, there was no fish. But if you just get to the right spot, there are much fish. So rather than giving up because you're not catching them where you are, you just need to find out, God, where's the hot spot? Where's the fish biting? Because somewhere there's some fish that are ready to bite. There's somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Micah chapter 4 verse 1 says this, and I'm almost done. But in the last days, in the last days, I, I know what it's been like, but in the last days, in the last days is not, I, I preached it this morning. If you weren't here, go listen to it. There, you, depending on what side of things you're on, it's darkness or it's light. And I know there's a lot of craziness going on in this world, but according to the Word of God, in the last days, I think we might, possibly be in the last days doesn't take a whole lot of study of the book of revelation it just takes a little bit of observation in the last days it shall not it might not it maybe it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the lord shall be established in the top of the mountains now watch this and it shall be exalted above the hills. I got a question. Which way does water flow on a mountain? That's the norm. But the prophet says there's coming a day that the people shall flow up. Oh, yeah. Y'all done, done quit on me. You, you done went home. There's coming a day when the current, the flow, that seems to always be contrary, seems to always be going away from us. The prophet said in the last days, something's going to happen, and the people, they're not going to flow away from the house of God. The people are going to flow up to the house of God and many nations shall come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem 
I know it's been a struggle. I know we've been through our challenges. I, I know these last five years and the things we've transitioned through at Antioch Central, Antioch as a whole, but how it's related to us at Antioch Central. I know we've been through some challenges. I, I know we've been through some ups and downs, but I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost tonight that I believe there's a change coming in the current. There's a change coming that rather than it all flowing away from us, God's going to turn it around and it's going to flow in the opposite direction. It's going to go contrary to what it normally does, not because of you and I, but because of what he has determined that he would do in this place through this people. And you know what? Let me tell you something. We've got, we've got more processes, Brother Barr. We've got more systems in place, and all those are good. We've got more of those things in place than we've ever had in the history of this church. Antioch West and Antioch North probably could say the same thing. We've got a we've got a wonderful guest follow up program. We we got Welcome to Antioch now, and we got all this stuff in place. We got small groups, we got oikos, we got we got all we got life courses, we got all these different things. You know what always bothers me just a little bit? The greatest days of harvest of this church is in all the days when supposedly it was the least prepared. We've never since we've got all these systems and processes in place, we've never had a thousand people get the Holy Ghost in a year. Since we've gotten so... Since we've developed such an anti-church service mentality... We've never had it. Like they had it back then. I'm not telling you we're supposed to get rid of all of those things. But I am telling you, those aren't the things that produce it. They may help take care of it. They may help sustain it. But they're not the things that produce it. The things that produce it are the same things that produced it 35, 40, 50 years ago. These kind come forth but by prayer and fasting. What was started in the spirit cannot be finished in the flesh. Let's do the best we can with our systems and processes and all of the things we do. Thank God for our media. Thank God for our website. Thank God for everything. Everything, but at the end of the day, it doesn't happen through any fleshly means or ability. It's got to be by the Spirit, through the Spirit, in the Spirit. I'm just going to tell you, if it was good enough for Windsor Avenue, it's good enough for Ritchie Highway. If it was good enough for Hilltop Lane, it's good enough for Arnold. If it was good enough at the warehouse, it's good enough here. But you and I have got to release some faith. I've told this before. I spent a couple of months in Brazil after high school on missions work. One of the 
highlights of that trip was a week in the Amazon jungle. And we we got to fly. Some of you really won't have much appreciation for this. I don't mean that unkind. You just won't. But to those that are familiar with global missions in the UPC, you, you, you can understand this. Brother, Brother Benny DeMerchant was a missionary for 50 years in the Amazon. And he was a pilot. He had a float plane so he could land on the river, the Amazon River. And and as an 18-year-old kid, actually, I think I was 19 by then. I turned 19 while I was there. 19-year-old kid, I got to fly in that airplane. Brother Kevin Howard and I fly in that airplane. He took us into the Amazon and more into the interior of the Amazon. We landed on the Amazon River. He got in that plane and took off, and I've never felt more lonely in my life. <laughs> no phones, no communication with the outside world, no electricity. But we went in by plane, but we made our way out over a couple of day period, stopping in a couple of different villages. We made our way out by boat. And an interesting thing happened in that boat trip. That boat was probably about as wide as me to the wall, maybe as wide as, maybe as long as this platform. It was a kind of a decent sized boat, nothing too big. And as we're going down the river, every now and then, Brother Sistrunk said this Friday, I've witnessed it. Every now and then a fish would jump out of the water and land in the boat. That happened several times. In fact, one of the times I was sitting there and it, one of them hopped out and bumped into me. I just reached down, picked it up, threw it back in the water. Not. <laughs> if there are certain things that define masculinity, I am still striving for it. <laughs> that happened several times. But let me tell you something. A commercial fisherman who's trying to make a living off of fish doesn't just go hop out in the river driving the boat around all day. And you know what? I believe that the church just simply being in existence. Every now and then, there's going to be a few fish that are so hungry, they just happen to jump in the boat. But that's not the way... It's supposed to work. If you're fishing for a living, you throw out the net. You pull in the net. You pull the fish in the boat. You and I are not here just to keep the good old gospel ship sailing through the sea of life in hopes that a few fish are going to jump in the boat every now and then. But you and I are called to find out where are they biting because God has much people. I'm, all, I'm almost done, but hear me, hear me, hear me. If you're sitting around waiting for an outreach program to get involved, you're missing the point. 
you're waiting on some kind of organized effort or program and you're all of a sudden going to start fishing, you're missing the point. There is a really good chance, according to the Word of God, that wherever you are, there's people in your pond. There's some co-workers, there's some neighbors, there's some family members. Maybe you fished in a couple of places and nothing has gotten, you had nothing's bit yet. You just got to find the right place because according to the word of God, there are much people. Much. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season. Due season. I will tell you, I don't believe that the context of this message tonight is not that you and I are failing, not that we are failures, because I am confident. I believe with all of my heart there are things that God has been doing. There are things that God has been developing. There are, there are ministries that God has been equipping and developing. But in due time. But the problem is if we quit, and give up because of past disappointments. We will never experience what God said He was going to do. But God's still going to do it. Mordecai's approach to Esther wasn't if God's going to deliver. Mordecai had no question that God was going to deliver His people the only thing Mordecai posed is the question was, who is going to be the one that God is going to use? So the question is not if God's going to do it. The only question is who are going to be the ones that engage with God, who link up as fellow laborers, who allow God to thrust you forth into the harvest. I don't know how I'm going to end this. I'm not sure what else I'm going to do. I don't know if we have an altar call or not. But A couple of years ago, we started. We did Saturday night men's prayer. The year we started it, we did it every Saturday night for months. We kind of took a break, and then another season. If you pay attention to Realm, you'll know this. There's men's prayer that happens here most Saturday nights not the same group every single week but there's there's a group I got to tell you I, I, I really think that every committed man in Antioch Central ought to be able to make at least one Saturday night a month I forget who says it, but as someone says, that went over like a flock of dogs. That's been going on. I've I've had I haven't made all of them. I've uh, changed my Sunday morning routine several months ago, and getting up even earlier than I was getting up, so I, I don't make all of them. But I, I've had things shared prophecies that have happened in that prayer meeting things that God has said powerful things that have been done as you know this is not 100% the case for the most part 
a men setting a prayer is going to be more a warfare. As we've heard it taught, we've seen it manifested. There are women that involve themselves that are gifted for spiritual warfare and intercession. But in general, men tend to be, and we've seen men, God is used in travail. So that prayer meeting, I think, is a very, there's not that men are more important than women, but there's something about men praying, partly because usually men aren't the one praying. Usually, if there's going to be a group, it's usually the ladies. So there's that element. It's continuing. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you, brethren. I, I'm, I'm not telling you to do it every single week, but one night, just one Saturday night a month. They start at 10 o'clock. Usually don't go for more than an hour or two at the very most. But I, I felt impressed of the Holy Ghost. In the last day or so, I don't remember the exact moment, but as I was feeling direction for tonight, we got to have that other component. We need the warfare. But we also, the Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. There's got to be warfare. There's also got to be travail. So, I don't have all the details to give you tonight, but I want to. I'm going to just put the seed out there tonight. In the next week or two, at the most, we're going to begin an opportunity. Now, the Saturday night is men only, partly for the safety of the ladies. I don't think ladies ought to be out by themselves at ten o'clock on a Saturday night. I know this is the church building, but this is a public area. I'm not going to say, I'm not prepared to say this other will be limited to ladies only, but I'm making an appeal to the ladies. You go back to what we heard yesterday. The process of birth and spiritual birth. Travail. Travail. is an essential part of babies being born. It's an essential part of spiritual babies being born. So again, I, I don't I don't I'm I don't have the de- I'm already it's already being worked on. I don't have the final details to give you of when and whatever, but I'm I'm asking you to be prepared. Of course in the meantime you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait for a prayer meeting to do spiritual warfare or to travail in intercession. I'm oh Lord, I I don't know if I'm bumping flesh or spirit here, but bumping something. Bottom line is, I think it might be a combination. Because unfortunately, there's too many of us that we just want to be left alone, come to church, get our blessing, do our thing, get to heaven. How in the world can we live that way, folks, when not one of us 
had a right to be here. I don't care who my parents are. I got no right to be here more than anybody else. But by the grace of God. I I really, I'm not sure if I'm going to do anything else, but why don't you go ahead and stand. I, I know it doesn't, at least to me, it doesn't feel it right now the same way it was recognizable earlier. I believe the Holy Ghost from start to finish this evening is doing something in us individually and collectively. Why don't you just right where you are for a moment, why don't you just lift your hands and whatever you feel, whatever the Lord impresses you with, why don't you why don't you begin to talk to him? Maybe, maybe what you need to pray here for a few moments is God remove all the doubt, remove all my skepticism, remove all my cynicism. Let faith be renewed, God. Let faith be restored. Let trust and confidence be renewed, God. That you've got much people. There's no shortage, God, for your kingdom. Maybe some of you need to lay aside some fear right now. Fear not. Fear not. Maybe some of you need to surrender afresh and anew. This isn't all about you and me. This isn't all about us just getting a touch from the Lord every time we come together. And that's that's success. It's about others. It's about a world that the church, not religion, but the church is the only hope. Oh, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, some of you got that spirit of travail on you right now. Some of you got that spirit of travail on you right now. I'm not trying to drag this out. I'm not trying to manufacture anything, but I think it's kind of apparent the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. God is doing something supernatural in this place right now. As soon as Zion travailed, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth Oh, God, let it be, let it be, let it be that the much people in this area would be reached. Let it be that the much people you've got in this area would be reached, God. Lord of the harvest, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers. 
into the harvest that you said is plenteous. God, if we've been trying to reap in fields that aren't ripe and we've given up, forgive us. If we've been trying to reap fields that aren't ready and we've accused you, forgive us. But, oh, God, help us to find the field. You said the field has a plenteous harvest, so help us to find the field. Help us to find the spot, God. I think somebody tonight, you need a nevertheless moment like Peter had. I know some of you have toiled all night and you've caught nothing. I know some of you have tried to do the work. I know some of you have tried to find the spot. But instead of giving up, you need to say like Peter said, Nevertheless, at thy word, my flesh doesn't want to do it. I'm struggling with faith to do it. But if you tell me to do it again, God, I'm going to do it again. Nevertheless... Thank you for this sanctuary. Thank you for the move of your spirit in this place. Thank you for the operation of the gifts of your spirit in this place. But we acknowledge again tonight, it's not all about this place. And it's not just about those of us that are already here. You've got much people, God. You've got much people, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, forgive us, God, for anything we've done to try to finish through the flesh what is a work of the Spirit. Forgive us for any effort we've made trying to do something through the flesh that must be done by the Spirit. Oh God, what was started in the Spirit, we pray tonight that it would be finished in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Haramaya 
If God's gifted you, if God's gifted you to be an equipper, be an equipper. If God's gifted you for the side of evangelizing, be an evangelizer. Whichever it is God's called you primarily to do, make yourself available. Let's not let there be a shortage of laborers for what God wants to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of